let's pray together. Pray together as a family. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we just come to you and we just tell you happy Father's Day. You are our Holy Father. Our spirits cry out, Abba, Father. And Father God, we're so thankful for the godly fathers that are in this room today. They're taking their day to learn more about how to be like you to where they can be good fathers for their wives, good fathers for their kids, just good fathers for their home. So as we dive into the Word of God today, challenge us and change us, and it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. On Facebook, would you worship with us? Right here, would you worship with us? Let's worship as a family. Your love's so great, Jesus in all things. I've seen a glimpse of your heart a billion years. Still I'll be singing, Ooh, how can I praise you enough? How can I praise you enough? You are the Lord Almighty. How shining all the stars in glory. Your love is like the wildest ocean. Oh,
Cause I won't, oh, I won't fear, Lord. I'm filled with anointing. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. My cup's overflowing, overflowing with your love, Lord. No weapon can harm me. I won't fear. Oh, I won't fear, Lord. All of God's children sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am not alone. Jesus. He's my comfort. Always holds me close. Oh, let's give him a shout of praise, Lord. He always guides me. Thank you, Jesus. The weapon may be formed, but it 
won't prosper when the darkness falls it won't prevail oh I love this cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph yes cause my God will never fail oh church yes cause my God will never
Oh, he is worthy, folks. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Holy Lord. Oh, folks, God is awesome. Father God, you are worthy, Jesus. Because you are worthy. And worthy. Who? Worthy. To receive our praise. You're holy. come to you in the mighty name of Jesus and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you Father for the fathers in this place that you have anointed and appointed to be the head of their house Father God. That their authority in that home can change generations Father God. So as we dive into the word of God today, may we go out of here different men that we came in and it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. You may be seated in God's presence. We're going to see if we can get you out of here by 1130. How about that? Wow. Siobhan's like, whoa. Be first in line. <laughs> you can take off your mask now, bud, if you want to. Okay. My little buddy, he's going to protect himself. Amen. Along with everybody.
everybody else doing the best they can with what they got. Well, you know, uh, can I just, before we begin, just kind of get an idea. I've, I've really been wrestling with, with the next kind of sermon series. Would anybody even want to hear about the fruit of the Spirit? If you do, raise your hand. If you don't, don't raise your hand. Okay. Wow. I guess that's what we'll do. But I've just really been wrestling with it because, look, I like deep messages. I mean, I like the messages that I like, the past four that I've been preaching. To me, it's, it's simple stuff, but I'm going to give you some milk today. I, I feel like I've fed you enough meat that y'all about choked, and half of you don't listen to me and do what I say anyway. So we're just going to do it, be real simple, give you some simple stuff. Men, this is going to be so simple, you can walk this out today. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter, get ready, guys, because I'm going to talk about y'all killing this morning. Those of you that are watching on Facebook, Genesis chapter 18, we're going to look at 17 through 19. But today, before we uh, dive into that, I just want to deal with um, certain characteristics, traits, if you will, whatever you want to call them, that literally God has challenged me with. Don't, do you know your pastor gets challenged by God all the time? Okay, so he's challenged me with this over the years of being, being a father. And uh, I, I can't say that I hit on all cylinders. I want to hit on all cylinders. There's sometimes I hit on one and feel like I'm really doing good, but then I bomb the other one. So I'm going to give you five traits today that, that I hope challenges you as much as it's challenging me. And really, these characteristics should be in every man, should be in every father. And my prayer literally this week is, is Lord, I hope this message challenges the fathers and the men in this room as much as you have challenged me over the years. And, and I would just say today, it doesn't really matter who you are, whether you're a father, whether you're a grandfather, whether you're a single man, whether you're, uh, you know, 16, 18, it really doesn't matter. You need to hear this message today because I, I believe that, let me just say this, it, it doesn't even matter, fathers, what you've done in the past. It doesn't even matter what you did last night where you just totally bombed it. A man or a father today, I believe if you take these five things, you can change your family. You can change your kids. And, and how do we do that, especially if, if we've bombed it? Because forgiveness is instant. Say that with me. Forgiveness is instant. Especially if your spouse or your kids have the right spirit. Forgiveness can be instant. So no matter whatever we've done, whatever we haven't done, no matter how much we've messed up a relationship, no matter how much we've messed up our kids, forgiveness is instant and we all can be forgiven. So I want you to take today what you hear and literally allow the Holy Spirit to challenge you. So in Genesis chapter 18, 17, uh, 17 through 19, the Bible says, Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through him. Now pay attention to verse 19. For I have chosen him so that he will direct. So that he will teach. So that he will guide. Who? His children. Now notice with me that the scripture starts out talking about nations and then it focuses now immediately down to the core of fathering. So he says, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children. Now watch this. And his household after him. So not only does he shift to fathering, but he's now talking about generations after him. If Abraham will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right, by doing what is just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he promised him. Look at me, guys. The Bible is clear, going all the way back down to Abraham, that fathering is paramount to God. It's paramount to God, and it literally can change generations and it can change nations. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as, as we dive into these five things, I just pray today that we are we're forever changed, Lord. 
that we don't remain the same, that no matter what we've done or haven't done, that we leave here, Father God, being better men than we came in. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen. So literally, these five characteristics, these five traits, God constantly challenges me on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, of some area where I just, I I totally mess up. And I I do believe that these five things should be in every man, whether you're 18 or 80, if you want to one day be a great father, these five things need to be present in your life. Now, before I begin, I, I want to teach you real quickly a principle of putting on and putting off. Or maybe I should say put off and put on. Because I've been trying to teach you over the past couple of Sundays is that whenever we come to church, there are things that we have to put off. Are you hearing me? We have to put off those things that are not like Christ. We have to put off those things where we have failed. So when anyone comes to church, we have to put it off. We have to lay it at the altar. We have to lay it at Jesus' feet before we can ever put on the Word. If you're not putting off something, you can't put on this. Amen? So you come to church ready to put something off in order to put on the teaching of the Word of God. And I challenge you to think, fathers, where in your life, where in your fathering do you need to stop some things? Where in your fathering do you need to put off some things, lay it at the altar, let that fire burn up that flesh, whatever it is, and put on the Word of God to be better. Only you can answer that. Only you know that. In the quietness of your prayer life and in the quietness of your consciousness, only you know those things that you need to stop. So whatever it is, I challenge you to put it off today. And here's the things that I want you to put on. I'm going to give you five traits, real simple, real quick. Number one, you've already heard these before, but I want to remind you, is a father should be a protector. All the men say protector. Listen to me, a father is concerned with the family's well-being. So Haley, when daddy calls you and says, where you at? (laughs) Then he says, who you with? (laughs) And he says, where you going? It's not because dad wants to be a snoopy snort sniffer of getting all up in your business. Levi is a protector because he's a man. Are you hearing me? When I call my wife and I say... Where you at? What you doing? It's not I'm a snoop. It's I, I want to know that is she protected. And, and a protector in the man is automatic. And, and a protector should always be looking up to God and saying, God, everything that you have given me, I want to protect it. Why? Because we must protect our families and our children against harm. We must protect our families and our children against the enemy. Somebody say amen. We must protect our families and our children against trouble. And a protector doesn't always have to say, I'm protecting you. I don't get up and tell my kids, I'm protecting you. Because look, don't look now, but the military and our great police officers don't announce every day on a loudspeaker, I'm protecting you. But by golly, when trouble comes, we need them, amen? And we don't need to abolish them and demote them and defund them. Because when trouble comes, you want a protector. Somebody say amen. Same thing in the house. You want protection. And when there is trouble, a protector is seen, a protector is felt, and our protectors, whether fathers, military, or police, they need to be celebrated. Can you give God praise in this place? So guys, fathers, when the Bible calls you the head of the household, it means that you're a covering for that house. You're a covering of protection for that house. And and, and ladies and and, and teens, listen to me. You will never know, but there are things that fathers and men take that you don't see. I mean, I think the men know what I'm talking about. There are problems that hit that we shield you from. 
There are situations that come that we shield you from because it should hit us first. Amen? And some of you in this room really didn't even understand what your father protected you from until they were gone. And I know there's some of you in this room that you have lost a father and and it's tough to be here today. I understand that. But that's why we say statements like, I wish dad were here. That's why we make statements, I wonder what dad would have done in this situation. Because dad protected the family and his wife and his children from things and understand that the fullness of a father is usually not felt and seen until they're gone. Why? Because fathers block a lot of junk that tries to come into the family and not only do we need to be grateful for that, but as men we need to continue to do that. And I would just say this, and and I want to walk on some things gently because I might offend some people, but if you are a man and you are always complaining about life and complaining about your marriage and complaining about your kids and complaining about your job, I want to be real with you because I love you. That's not a good father. There are just some things, you'll never hear me say this, guys, until today. There are some things you just need to keep silent about. If you're miserable, just keep it inside. Go to the Lord about those things. But you need to be a protector and shield your family from those things. And and, and mamas, I love you. Listen to me. There are some boys that are being raised today and they're being taught how to whine. I knew this wouldn't be popular. We're letting them whine about everything and anything. I say it's time to let them grow up and be a man. As having a doctorate in counseling, now I'm, I'm diverting, and if I divert, we'll go a little bit longer, but I promise you I'll get, out, get you out of here soon. As a counselor, I would be curious, how many of the people that have rioted are fatherless? I'd just be curious, maybe, I'm not talking about they never had a father, but they never had that father figure in their life. I I would just be curious to see how many of those nuts actually didn't have a father, amen? But, But what I'm saying is don't let your babies grow up to be whiners. Because storms are going to hit. We're in a storm right now. They need to be tough. Storms hit your dad, storms hit your grandfather, storms are going to hit your boy, they're going to hit us, and listen to me, there's going to be hard times, and if a man ever gets to a point, I just can't take it anymore, I'm just sick and tired of all this, guess what, somebody, somewhere, mama that man to death, and he's a whiner. Is it too hard, Charlie? I, I, I'm trying to give y'all milk today, man. <laughs> Mamas, if you're raising boys, man, I'm trying to help you out here. Expose them to trouble. Let them feel trouble. Let them experience trouble. Mamas, when the little boys fall, let them cry. Don't go over there and pamper them. Let them fall, let them get hurt, go over to them, say, suck it up, get up, you're going to be okay. Some man in this house, give me a little hand clap. Don't mom them to death. Life is hard. It's going to be hard for that little boy when he grows up. Tell the boy, suck it up, get back in the game, because how many of the dads in this room says, I've been knocked down a time or two, but I surely didn't quit. Can I get a hand raise? Anybody in here? We need to teach our boys that. You're going to get knocked down, but brush yourself up, off, and get back up. Amen? So number one, father's a protector. And a father takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Amen? Number two, number two. Father is, this is simple stuff. Father is a provider. And I know some of you are thinking right now, why did I wake up to come and hear this simple stuff? Provision is more than money, guys. You provide wisdom. You provide friendship. You provide counseling. You provide perspective. Are you hearing me? You provide insight. 
And when we see those five things, wisdom, friendship, counseling, uh, perspective, and insight, those things show that you have a giving spirit. Somebody say giving. And because a father has a giving spirit, he makes the family, he makes his spouse, and he makes his kids fuller and richer because they're givers and not takers. So provision is not about giving kids money, not about giving them a car, giving them because you're going to spoil them to death and they're going to be a bunch of brats because you just gave, 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 gave. Providers, yes, they give, but they also teach those children the value of money. Doug, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, my dad made sure that I knew that I didn't pay for anything in that house. Did your dad ever remind you of that? My dad would constantly tell me, son, if you ain't comfortable in that bed that I bought you, I can take it away from you. <laughs> Look, if you don't like my rules in this house that I paid for for this roof to protect your head when it rained, you can always go find a shack somewhere and live in it. That cell phone that I bought you that you're plugging into my electricity, if you don't like it, I can unplug that thing and beat it with a stinking sledgehammer, right? I paid for it. It's mine. And I know, teens, <laughs> you don't like me right now, but it is the truth. Until you start paying for things, we can do whatever we want to with your stuff. Amen? So a provider is not someone that gives you your wants and spoils you to death. A provider gives you your needs and teaches you the value of money to where one day you can grow up and make it. Amen? So if the DNA inside of a man, but see the Bible says that we're made in the likeness and the image of God. If, if that DNA is in us, which it is, understand the name of God is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh is my God provides. So if I'm made in the image and the likeness of God as a father, that spirit of provision should be in me and I should constantly be a giver and not a taker. So when God designed you originally, he designed you to be a giver. Why? Because we were made in the image of God. So Haley, I'm only picking on Haley because she's the only teen I see in here. So when Haley comes home to daddy and says, Daddy, I love him. I really love him. What's Levi going to do? He's going to sit down little Tommy and go, Tommy, uh, let me ask you a couple of questions here. Tommy, where do you work? Well, uh, you see, Mr. Umble, you know what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to keep my uh, options open for, you know, I might want to go in a little bit of this and I might want to go in a little bit of that. Okay, well, if you want to go into a little bit of this, a little bit, what do you want to do with your life? Well, you see, Mr. Umble, I, since he knows Umble goes to church, I'm praying about it. <laughs> and Levi's going to go, so what, let, let me get this straight. You want to date my daughter and you want to take her out, but you ain't got no money? <laughs> Show me the money, right? Because a man understands at the end of the day a father wants to know, how are you going to provide for my little girl? Because as men, we understand that work is the honorable thing to do as a man. Because the Bible says a man don't work, a man don't eat. And neither does your daughter if, he's dating a, if she's dating a loser. Amen? Number three, I'll move on. And not that she's dating a loser. And I'm sorry, I keep using, you know what I'm going to do? Huh? She's dated a couple. I'll, hey, I'm going to be texting you later, Levi, going, is it okay if I used you in this example? <laughs> I get home and I get to worrying about it. People going to leave the church because I used them as an example. Number three, a father should be a promoter. Y'all ever heard that one before? Terry, you're just so smart. A, fa <laughs> a, fa a father should be a promoter. You got to promote someone other than you. You know when 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 country stars come in or the Trump campaign is you don't see the promoter's face on the advertisement, do you? No, because the promoter is always promoting the event or promoting the person. 
It's not your family's job to make you look good, guys. It's your job to make them look good. And if you don't believe me, you were created in the image and the likeness of God, correct? Yeah, be careful when you say yes, because I'll come back with proof. Because the proof is, even God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. God Almighty, the president and CEO of the universe, was promoting his son and not him. Why? Because the image and the likeness of God is a promoter. Are you hearing me? So what you got to understand, men, is the enemy's attacks on you as a dad is not about fighting you. I know it feels like it because he's coming after you, but he's coming after you to mess you up. Because if he can mess you up, he knows he can get to that little baby boy and he can get to that girl and that's going to pass down to another generation and another generation. This is a generational thing. It's bigger than you. Are you hearing me? I've already preached this stuff about the war that we're in. So it goes back to what I said last week. If God in a church service can humble you and break you enough to get you to the altar, you can put off some things to put on the word and truly rise up as a man of God and worship him in your lifestyle and be an example to the kids and actually change a generation like it says in the word of God. Are you hearing me? So our job is a promoter. Promoters resist the devil by, by making him flee with our knees bent before a holy God at the altar, breaking curses off the path, putting things down on the altar, and standing up to continue to break curses off future generations. Are you hearing me? So a father is a promoter. And then real quickly, the last two. Or real slowly, the last two. Number four. Y'all okay with fast and simple and quick? Yeah, pastor, preach more like that. <laughs> a father should be a priest. We've all heard that. Father should be a priest. But why do you think I preached last week about Noah? What was the first thing he did when he got off the boat? Built an altar. Why? Because he knew I'm going to be priest over my home. And every man in here, you need an altar, guys. Now, I'm going to help you guys. I really am. Women, lend me your ears. There's probably 90% of the women in here that don't think your men pray. Do not buy into the lie of the enemy. If you don't think your man prays, it's because he doesn't pray like you. Men and women don't pray the same. I love it when my wife prays. I love it when she gets down in the basement. She turns on some music down there. Lights are low. Every now and then I'll catch her on her knees and she's weaving and she's bobbing and she's praying and she's praying in her prayer language. And I love it. I mean, women, when y'all pray, it's powerful because women pray out of emotion. Some women are loud. Some women are proud. Women, they got their oil in their bottle and they're anointing everything. They're going around the house and they're anointing the computer. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus all over this computer that no pornography would come through my husband's eyes. I just anoint that thing right now in the name of Jesus. I don't care if it breaks, Lord. You can provide another one. I anoint right now his pillow that not another thing will come into this because my kids are here, I, I got to be careful, but y'all know what I'm saying. I anoint the TV screen that foul things won't come through it so my kids will see all nasty stuff. I plead the blood of Jesus over there. How many women know what I'm talking about? If you don't, then maybe you don't have a prayer life. But, but anyway, uh, y'all pray out of emotion. We pray out of facts. A man will go to God, God, I need $300 by Friday in Jesus' name, amen. And then we get back to our business. Am I right, Albert? Seriously. We just pray it, we believe it, and we move on. 
Ladies, if you need $300, you had to fast probably 300 days because that makes sense. <laughs> and then prayed for another 300 days just for that $300. But man, we just get to the heart of matter and we believe God will do it in Jesus' name. And women, your men are praying. You just don't hear them. They're praying in their head. They're praying on the tractor. They're praying out in the field. They're, they're praying at their job site. They're praying as they walk. They're praying as they come into the church. They're praying, but it looks differently. And men, we must be praying men. You can't just be a church man. You need to be a praying man. And you need to be a praying man because there is pressure on your life from being a protector. There is pressure on your life from being a provider and you've got to get that off of you. You need to turn that stuff over to God or you're going to crack and break. I promise you. That's why the Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord. Why? Because you can't be a great father if you're not taking your pressure and your stress to the heavenly father. Amen? Because how many of you have job pressure okay yeah well just me <laughs> and it's the police officer <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I mean you got kid pressure Levi go ahead and put it up <laughs> just 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 show her just show her I, see this see see how much I gotta pray for you kid pressure financial pressure some of you got health pressures and if you don't take that pressure to the Lord you will be stressed out why do you think God says pray without ceasing? Because attacks are without ceasing. Problems are without ceasing. Things are going to come without ceasing. And if in our pride we think, well, I'm a man and I can take it and, you know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Listen, that, that's good to say, but in your pride it could be your downfall. Why? Because the Bible says pride comes before the fall. And the fall is, I've seen good Christian men fall into porn. I've seen good Christian men fall into affairs. I've seen good Christian men fall into drinking. I've seen good Christian men fall into drugs. And that natural progression means, what the next do they fall from? Church! Which means now the enemy's got you and got you out of church. And now, by the grace of God, hopefully your wife is still continuing. Are you hearing me today? So we got to have, and some of you think sin is separating you from God. And it does. But if we were at our knees at the altar, allowing things to die, we wouldn't be in the sin that we're in. So prayerlessness is the root of what's keeping you from God. Are you hearing me? And let me say this. When I go home, I don't pray as the pastor. I don't, pray, I don't treat my family as like the pastor. I don't sit at the supper table and go, All right, everybody, give God praise. <laughs> Amen, children, give God praise. I pray as a father. Are you hearing me? And I, I, I want to say this. I want to let you know as a father, you have more authority in your home than I do. And if I've ever come to eat at your house and you've asked me to pray, I usually throw it back and go, no, would the man of the house pray? Most of the time, all, every time at your house, it's, all, it's always I defer to John. Because he, when I step into that house, he has more authority in that home than I do as a pastor. Now, if he defers that authority to me to give advice, then it jumps back on me. So when you come into this house, guess who's the authority now? Me. But in your house, you are the priest of your home. You've got a special anointing that you can do more in that home with the anointing that you have than I can be as a pastor to your family in that house. Are you hearing me? I'm not the priest of your home. I'm the priest of your home when you bring them in here and defer that authority to me. But when I come to your house, you are. So the success of a family begins with you. Are you seeing this? 
Not with your wife, with you. So you need to take authority over the things that are ungodly in your house and you and you need to lead that family to become all that God has created them to be. Just like I'm trying to do with this family because technically I am every single one of y'all's spiritual father. Are you hearing me? I don't want to get goofy about that, but I'm trying to raise a family to be going after God. Amen? So when anything comes into your home that is foreign to the Word of God or the ways of God, the priest fights for that family to get that junk out. Amen? And sometimes that might be you're going to have to kick somebody out. <laughs> Lord, we won't even go there. All right. So you've got an anointing. Use it. Amen? Number five, and I'll end with this. Uh, you don't have to come yet, but number five is a father should be a prophet. Now, I know sometimes, like in the Pentecostal, spirit-filled churches, we want to get goofy when it comes to prophet. Let's not go to the weird place with prophets, okay? A prophet is simply somebody that tells their family what they can be. What do you think I do every Sunday? I tell you when you come in here what you can be. You can have a better life. You can have a better marriage. You can have a better family. I try to inspire you at times to be better than who you are. Amen? So, so a prophet speaks life over your family. You look at your son and say, you can do this, son. You look at your son and say, you know what? God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. I just said that to you, what, a couple of days ago when we went to Home Depot. Speaking life into him. You got what it takes, daughter. You got what it takes. You're, you're better than this. You can conquer this. You can move on. Haley, this is not the end. Tommy was a loser. This is only a new beginning for somebody else. <laughs> are you hearing me? Speaking life. You are a winner. There is a champion inside of you. Speak life over your kids because guess what is in the tongue? The power of life or death. And let me be real with you. You will never know what that does in the life of your child because usually you don't see it working in the house, especially with teenagers. You don't see it until they get out of the house. And when you speak life into somebody, you, you will not, I promise you, you will not see it overnight. It can take years before you see the result. Some of you are a witness. It can take years after they get out of the house before you see results. We just got a call from our oldest daughter. She was saying, now I see why you did what you did when you raised me. And I thank you for it. Are you hearing me? So it will not be the gifts you buy them. It will not be the money you give them. This will not make them love you more. They will love you for about five minutes and then treat you like dirt again ten minutes later. It'll be the words you speak to them. It'll be the intimate talks you've had with them. Those will be the most important things that as a child, when they become an adult, they will remember the most. And words mean something. That's why you see in the Bible, fathers name the children. My niece is, is, is having a baby and they've been trying and trying and thank God they, they finally are going to have a baby. But I told her husband, you name the baby. And she's like, oh no. I was like, then you're not biblical. Name that baby. Are you hearing me? If you don't believe me, there's a story in the Bible about Jacob's wife. Jacob's wife was, was dying in childbirth, and before she died, she was having a son, and she named him Son of My Sorrow. But the father comes along and says, oh, No, his name will not be that. It will not be Son of My Sorrow. It will be named Benjamin, Son of My Strength. And then when you analyze and study Benjamin, you'll find that from his loins and his generations, kings came in his lineage. Are you hearing me today? So men, you can start something new. Most of you don't know this, but I named my children. 
Get my babe. Well, I meant babe, my wife. And babe, my girl. <laughs> I named Kid. His middle name is Seth. The reason I called him Seth, because in the Bible, in, in the book of Genesis, it says, in those days, men called upon the name of the Lord. There are times where after we tuck him in at night, we've already prayed with him. We can hear him down there calling out to God himself. Because in those days, men called upon the name of the Lord. Caden, you look up Caden, it means warrior. It means a fighter. And let me tell you, from the time she came out of the womb until today, she is a fighter. She's the most stubborn, hard-headed, strong-willed girl I've ever met. She's just like her daddy. Praise God for that. But you don't want to spar with her. Physically, she's not... I mean, physically, you blow on her and she fall over. But mentally, she's sharp as a tack. I've got to have my game ready if I'm going to come to her and, and talk to her about this is why we're doing this because she'll debate the snot out of me till I'm eventually going, you know what? It's right. You can do whatever you want to. <laughs> she's quick. Now, I won't tell you her middle name. Her middle name is McKenna. I put that one there, too. You know what that one means? Daughter of a handsome man. <laughs> How you like that, Paul? <laughs> Daughter of a handsome man. I show it. I'm speaking destiny over my life that even when I get old and wrinkly, I'll still be good looking, amen? <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is speak over your kids. Speak life to them. You can get them another car. You can get them another pair of shoes. But the best gift you can give them is the words that you speak over their life. So I'm telling you guys, as the musicians come, because of who you are, because of the authority over your life, because of the anointing over your life, you have the ability to do things in your home that I don't have the ability to do. You can change things today in your home. And, and I am, you know, you may disagree with me, but I am a firm believer that what we're seeing on the news is a result of things being passed down from generation to generation. I can't prove that, but if there was a psychological study, I bet you it could. In, in all directions of where, where our society is going. So I would say if you don't like what you're seeing... Look, you may not be able to change the world. You may not be able to stop social injustice. You may not be able to stop racism in the world, but you can stop it in your home. You hearing me? You can stand up today and you can change it in your family. And I guess the whole point that I'm trying to make with all of these five things is, is you, not your pastor, but you have the ability to break generational curses. Do something new, starting today, with the people that God gave you. Now, I, I know this may sound strange, but I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, I, I just want the men to yell out their mailbox number. Now, for some of you, it may be a stinking long one. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I, I don't know how long your mailbox number is, but just on the count of three, mine's 1825. But on the count of three, I just want you to yell out that mailbox number really as loud as you can because if it's not loud, this will just flop like a lead balloon, okay? Y'all ready? Now, Lisa, you might need to remind him of his mailbox number. Corliss, just, it's 1332, Mike. Okay, wake him up, wake him up, and, and get him ready to yell. On the count of three, I want you to yell out your mailbox number. You ready? Paul, you got it? Randy left. He don't even want to cooperate with this. Right, okay, here we go. One, two, three. 1825! What you just yelled out is your church. That's your church. That's your church that you're leading. 2105 is the church that I'm leading right here. 1825 is the church that I'm leading over at my house. 
you, you, Albert, are leading your family to the promised land. I just come in and, and pour more on that for you. You, Lucan, are leading that family in the ways of the Lord. Levi, you are leading your church in the things of God, in the Word of God. And I would, I would admonish all of you to do what I try to do for this family, is I try to be like God in my life, in my habits, in my attitude, and in my speech, and in the decisions that I make so that my family can see God in me. And I would challenge as you are running your church at that address that you called out, you be like God to lead your family as they see God in you. Are you hearing? Ladies, can we just give a big hand clap for the fathers in this room today? You know, guys, we are truly in this together. And today, you know, we, we may sit here and we may realize some things that our dads didn't do. I got a whole long list of what my dad didn't do. But we have the ability to either look back and see that our, our, our dads were great and, and we continue a legacy. Or we look back and we see a dad that was great, but we're like, you know what, we can improve this or we improve that, and we improve the legacy. Or we look back and say, this is where dad failed, but I can start a brand new legacy that maybe my dad didn't give me. But you are the only one that can walk out of here and have the ability to start a legacy in your children that was different than how you were raised. And I'm telling you what a wife wants and what children want more than ever is a humble father. You don't need to come in here and leave here thinking that you know everything. You don't need to come in here and leave here thinking that you make all the right decisions because your family already knows that you don't know everything. Your family already knows you don't make good decisions. So a humble man just tells them what they already know. Instead of faking it and trying to trick them. They already see right through you. Be humble. Find one of those five things and apologize. I haven't been this to you. But I want to be better. And some of you in this room have unsaved kids. You have unsaved grandkids. Some of you in this room, you might right now be going back to division in the home. Some of you might be going back saying, Pastor, it's just not ideal. But listen to me. Don't focus on what happened in the past. I would challenge you. Don't even focus on what's happening in the present. But, but, but Pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand what my daughter did to me. You can't believe the things that my wife's saying about me. No, 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 no. Put off that. Lay it at the altar. Let God consume it with his holy fire and put on these five things today. Are you hearing me? Put it off. Put it on. And be what God desires you to be. And listen to me. I could not be prouder than all of the men that are in this house today. Especially Mike that's got a graduation to get to. Some of you are family. Like Ron, wherever he went, he's got to get to Zach's graduation. But he's a father that cares about the Word of God. You could have been any, you could have took a vacation. You could have said, family, I want to stay at home. Forget this church stuff. But you're here today. So I applaud you because what that tells me that in your heart, you have a hunger and a desire to be better. Are you hearing me? So I want to pray for you. Those of you that are getting your family around Facebook, you could have checked out today. You could have gone to the lake today. But if you're listening as a father and you've got your family around, I am proud of you today because you desire to be better. And I want to pray for all of you. Would you all stand up all over this house?
Ladies, take that hand of that man, squeeze it really, really hard and tight. Not so tight that he knows something's wrong, but just, you know, tight enough to know you're praying for him. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we, we come to you. We thank you, Father, that your image, your likeness is inside of us. And that we can be these five things. Oh, I know, God, we, we slip, we fail, we, we may kick on the protector side sometimes and the provider some, side sometimes, but put us in sync where everything's kicking on all cylinders. May there be a strong conviction in the men's lives today that they will carry with them as they practice the presence of God, which is birthed out of their altar. It's birthed out of that praying without ceasing, that they're practicing the presence of God, that that conviction and, and, and the gentleness of the Holy Spirit redirects us, that we're humble enough to be redirected, that when our wives come and say we really need to talk, that we wouldn't be puffed up and ignore it, but we would be humble enough to listen to it because one of those things of the five she may be pointing to that we need to readjust. So Father God, I just pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would do a work in us, that you would continue to challenge us, but let us be change agents in our church let us be change agents in this church to where we can change a generation for the betterment of the kingdom of God and the betterment of the society in which we live in. So I thank you for the men that have come today. And Father God, we celebrate them today. But more importantly, we celebrate you as our Father. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Look at that, 1140.